0: Well, good morning. You know, when I drive down the road to come here, then I'm hit with so many memories. <laughs> so I know um, you some new faces, so some of you don't know, I don't know you. But, um, yeah, this, is a, this place has a very special place in my heart. And uh, last night, when I was trying to find a thumb drive that would work <laughs> for my slideshow, I found one of Rick's. And I found a prayer on there that he had written for Sycamore. Last night I thought, I think I'll read that to them. This morning as I'm driving down the road, I'm like, (laughs) no. I'm not going to stand up here and cry. So maybe I'll send it to you if you want it. But you know that Rick loved you guys. And because of you, God put him back in ministry and uh, gave him the desire of his heart to to minister, be a pastor again, and get to go to Asia. So um, <clears throat> so I was going to read a scripture, but John, the one you read this morning really jumped out at me. Let me read just a verse that jumped out at me. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Wow. That's what's happening in this village where I've been able to establish a children's shelter. It's a rural village in Taiwan, an underprivileged place where most of the... Um, most of them are small scale farmers, and when I say small, <laughs> like the size of our garden, small. Uh, a lot of rice farmers, uh, they'll have a little more land than that. But, um, when my, I realized, uh, just recently that I've been frustrated that I can't go back to Taiwan because of, uh, COVID restrictions. They've kept their border really tight. But I realized that John Home is God's gift to me. And I don't know if you know, but Rick and I visited this little village with our friends um, just a couple months before he passed away. And at one point, we were walking up and down the streets. And we went to the school and prayed over the school. This is a village that has never had a Christian church. This is a village that has never heard of Jesus. So generation after generation of people have been without Christ. So we were in this village, walking up and down the streets, and Rick at one point stopped. And he walked off by himself just to pray. When we got in the car, he said, I know, I know we're supposed to do something here. He had no idea. I didn't know what he meant. Um, But the month that I was packing up my things to move back home, is uh I had, you know, houseware and furniture. I'm not going to ship it from Taiwan. It's not worth it. <laughs> and my friends were just moving to this village, and they found a big house they could rent. They wanted a big house so they, they could welcome children into their home and take care of children. And so all of our furnishings went to Ja'an Home, which has become this shelter. So it's like it was for me, God's way, a gift to me, and Jaun means abundant grace. It was Rick's Chinese name. He was known as the pastor of grace. So in this village where it's totally dominated by um, their Taoist temples, their ancestor worship, they have a kind of weird folk religion that they've made out of all of this. They really believe, they see ghosts, they talk about ghosts, they um, live in a very supernatural world view. And yet at John Home, the children are learning to know about Jesus, and you'll hear some stories today. And that's why this verse is like, you have taught children to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Wow, great verse. Okay, so this is a picture of the village kind of backs up to the mountains, kind of in an out-of-the-way place. It's not a place that people go visit. Uh, There's about 1,700 people who live here, and the elementary school is only about 55 children from first to sixth grade, where we work. So our friends, Frank and Susie, they were in our church in Tainan. Susie is Taiwanese, grew up there. Uh, Frank is from South Africa. They're both school teachers, and they just had a burden for to go to a rural village, uh, feeling like children in the villages don't get the uh, resources that children in the cities do to succeed, and so the the cycle of poverty just keeps going over and over and over. And they just really had a heart to get into a rural village and help children break that cycle. So they prayed for a home, a big home, and this is the home God. Enabled them to rent. It was a real battle to get to rent this house that had sat empty for five years. It was really run down. The landlord wouldn't rent it because someone committed suicide there. And that means the ghosts lived there. The departed spirits lived there. And he tried to talk Susie out of it, saying, what, you want to open a place for children to come? Nobody's going to let, no parent's going to let their kids come to this house. But <laughs> this is a place now where God's light shines really brightly. Okay, I know I was here last May, so if I repeat some things, I don't remember what I said last May. But <laughs> um, across the street from John home was an em- this empty lot. And it was in May last year. I don't know if it was before or after I spoke. But the landlord of this lot knocked on the door and said to my friend Susie, "You know, would your kids could you use this empty lot for your children? Because it may be a great place for them to run and play. You can do whatever you want with it." And that was wonderful because John Home just has this little, you know, slab of concrete in front. So they just walk across the street. Here's this empty ground, and What Susie found out, at this point it's been going for about a year, people in the village are really noticing these children. These children used to run the streets and get in trouble and break things and fight. And now these children are at John Home every day after school. The parents just weren't supervising them. Nobody was paying attention. So now they come to John Home. They get to be helped with their homework to succeed. They get a dinner. But... The village is noticing. So the landlord noticed and said, you have all these children. Wouldn't they need a place to play? So that was really great. And then the mayor of this little village came to Susie and said, is there anything I can do to help you? Because we really notice what you're doing for the children. And Susie really couldn't think of anything. But the next day, he showed up with all these plants, all these flowers for the children to plant. Now, look how... Uh, dry that ground is. Um, They didn't survive, just to say. But that was a really good experience for the children (laughs) to plant those flowers. What a gift from the mayor, because he appreciated. Well, then other villagers noticed. And one villager just thought the children ought to have some goats. (laughs) For me, when Susie told me that they were getting four goats given to them, that was like really do you want to do that (laughs) she was so excited she really believes that the children interact with animals there's healing and that it's really good for them and I guess the picture didn't show up too good but um, down in the bottom the goats get out and run when the children are playing this little game where they hit a paddle over the net I'm not sure what it's called and but the goats run right in there with them you know the children love the goats Uh, they have to take care of the goats And then somebody decided that they should have chickens. A villager says, well, maybe you need some chickens. So they donated four chickens. And so then we had to build a little chicken house. And we had to build gates for the goats. And, you know, it's starting to look like a little farm. It's really great. Well, this is a rural village where chickens kind of roam the streets. I don't know if you've ever been in a village like that. Chickens, pigs, goats, just kind of roam. Anyway, (laughs) one night... Frank went to, put the, you know, to lock the chicken house, and he said, Susie, how, how many chickens do we have? And she said, four. And he said, no, there's six. <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, he goes, and now there's eight. So we don't know where they come from. If they're just out wandering around, think, oh, that looks like a better house than I have. So I don't know. But we have eight chickens that lay eggs, and the children are happy to go get so excited to discover eggs. And then, just in this last month, so we have John home, straight across the street is John Land, now the house across the street in the other direction, this house up there, well, it's our new building. Uh, we have an art class with a professional art teacher, and more children are wanting to come than we have floor room for, like... Uh, we have ten to sixteen more children that say they want to come, and like we 're elbow to elbow right now, so this is on a Tuesday, so we pray, God, you know how can we we 're just thinking how are we going to move things around and maybe some kids on another floor, and how 's that going to work, and we can 't put the little kids upstairs, whatever, I'm trying to figure that out, but we pray, God show us what t- we can do so we can take in more children that 's a Tuesday. <laughs> And on that Thursday, the neighbor from across the street knocks on Susie's door and says, Hey, I'm moving out of this this house. He used to have his business in there, and he's moving it to a bigger place. Would you like to use this house for the children rent-free? Wow. So, it's unbelievable. On the inside, there's all these built-in cupboards and shelves. Because it was a business, like lots of computers and stuff. I don't know what his business was. But Susie has always dreamed of having a library for the village because there's not one. And now we're starting a library in the village. That's so cool. And then I have to tell you the next cool part. Sometimes I think, why Why am I here? Why am I not there? So I'm telling somebody on Sunday after Tuesday that we prayed, Thursday that we get the keys to this rent-free building, that needs a lot of work. It needs lighting on the outside, it needs a fence, it needs air conditioner, it needs sink, it needs lots of stuff. But I'm telling a friend here, I'm having lunch with her. And she's listening and she takes out her checkbook and she writes me a large check that will more than cover all the improvements. For that building. (laughs) And God said see Barb you're my connection. (laughs) I get to connect people. To what God is doing. And uh, yeah. That's so cool. So. Right after I came here. And some of you took cards. For the children to pray for children. And I thought I'm going to keep you up. With what the children are doing. And it became a lockdown. In Taiwan. For two and a half months. They were locked down, and they could not open Ja'an home. They could not have more than five people in a place, whether you're outside or inside. I don't know what you do if you have more than five in your family, but the rule was only five people and um, always wearing a mask. So this became what Susie says, adversity turned into opportunity. At this point, uh, these are farmers who have a hard time the way it is. Now their markets, like their open-air markets, were actually closed down because they're too close together and too much chance of spread. So these people don't have income. And we were able to provide money for Susie and Frank to go buy boxes of food and take to these families that we knew would be hurting. And Susie said, this is so good because usually they're so consumed with just taking care of the children. They never leave the house. Because of this adversity, they got to go to the children's homes and meet parents and grandparents face to face and have interaction with them and give them a gift. And these are really humble people. She said, most people, when they receive the gift, they won't even look up. They feel shame for the situation that they're in. Um, They're very grateful, have tears running down their face. Like I said, this is, uh, maybe it's hard to understand because we've never been there. If you can just imagine the problems that result when it's generation after generation after generation serving these gods that are demons (laughs) that do nothing but promote fear and destroy hope, that's. That's the way they live. And so for anybody to do something kind for them is very overwhelming. So this just shows a picture of some of the food being given. So we believe, this is Susie's statement, the best gift we can give to the children is to teach them to pray. So I want to share with you just a couple stories of how God (laughs) answers prayer for these children. So... This is before the lockdown, and the little guy in the bottom picture, he's eight. We've got these goats, and it's the worst drought in Taiwan in 56 years. So guess what? The goats don't have any green grass to eat. So Joe's praying. First of all, Joe's parents work in one of those outdoor markets okay, in another city. So Joe's praying, and he says, you know, God, our goats don't have anything to eat. And we really need, we really need rain. And God, I don't want to be selfish, but could you have it rain here and not rain where my mom and dad work? Because he didn't want to rain out their business. The worst drought in 56 years. And guess what? That night, it rained And guess where it rained in our village? And guess where it didn't rain in any other village? And guess what? The grass greened right up. The children were so excited. Like God really does hear their prayers. Isn't that so sweet? I feel like our God is showing them that he is the one true God. And he hears and answers their prayers. So here's another sweet story. A little guy named David, he's 10. He had a bad day at school. Now, what little boys don't have a bad day at school once in a while, right? (laughs) But when he came to John home in the evening, he was in a pretty bad mood. And, you know, had to have a little bit of a talking (laughs) to. But he's the first one that always wants to pray at dinner time. And so that night, he's praying, and he says, one of the things he prays, he says, God, will you forgive me, because I had a bad attitude at school today. Isn't that sweet? And then, when they pray, they just talk and talk and talk, and so then he talks to God some more, and then before he closes, he says, you know, God, it's really hot. I wish we could have some watermelon. Amen. Amen. So they go about with dinner, but before dinner's over, there's a knock at the door. And when Susie opens the door, there's a farmer that she's not ever met, standing there with his arms full of watermelon, saying, I thought maybe the children would enjoy these. What blesses me about that is that this farmer doesn't know God. But God moved him to bring that watermelon at the very same time that David said, Could we have some watermelons? Isn't that beautiful? I just love it. And the village people do notice, Susie says often there's vegetables or fruit on her, you know, in front of her door for the children. It's stuck. I'm pushing the wrong button. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Susie believes that children in these rural areas are just as smart, just as bright, just as talented as children in in the city. They just don't have the experiences and the resources. So God really blessed us by bringing... Uh, A a friend from Susie's university days, he's an accomplished artist, and he comes to John home to teach the children to paint. This is just showing. He donated all the little easels and all the paper and the paints, and he comes every Friday and Saturday. And it's really just amazing what he gets out of the children. But this is what's really cool. So there's a local coffee shop, and they invited... um, the children to bring their paintings there and display them in the coffee shop. Now, if you're a child whose parents never pay attention to you, just because they're busy or honestly, some of them are in jail, some of them are on drugs, they're just not paying attention. But now, you have accomplished something that is so awesome that it's being displayed in a local business isn't that cool and seeing the children just grow with a sense of confidence that hey we can do this you know before they susie had a hard time getting them to do any schoolwork, you know But now, just being able to accomplish little things has even boosted their interest in doing schoolwork. And so, this is a picture of them with some of their artwork they're going to display around the coffee shop. So, I just wanted to show you, like, the little girl with the green plant. She's only eight. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. The little girl, that's a picture of her mom. That she drew for Mother's Day. And this sweet little girl, I want to tell you something she did just recently. In, time, in this village, generations live together. So you got grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad, siblings, sometimes aunts and uncles and cousins all in a little house. Usually with, you know, two bedrooms, maybe. But uh, Yvonne's grandma lives with her. And um, one day grandma wasn't feeling well. So Yvonne got down on her knees, put her hands on her grandma, and prayed for her. And here comes Yvonne's grandma to John home, saying, You've got to tell me, who is this God that you're teaching my granddaughter about? Susie's so prepared for this. She's got Bibles ready to give. And so she, she gave Grandma a Bible. Ama is what they call her. And she started reading scriptures to Amma. And every scripture she'd read, Amma would say, mark that. I want to read it again. So Susie spent 20 minutes or so just reading scripture. And they would mark. So this is Amma's Bible. So she can take it and read it again. When they get done reading scripture, little Yvonne goes over to the TV there where they, they listen to worship music a lot. And she turned on a worship video And she went and stood by her grandma, put her hands on her grandma, stood behind her, and sang worship songs to her. While grandma sat there and cried. God is using children to show these adults who've never heard. This grandma told Susie, life has tortured me. And God is using the children to show that he loves them. The adults are seeing such a change, seeing their children pray at home. Um, and it's so cool because adults are coming to John home. Now we reserve a night, a month, just to invite adults. And they have a barbecue. And was really interesting, the first one, uh, 20 some people came. I'm not sure how many. But So they did worship songs with them. Like, these people don't even know who this God is, but they have them singing worship songs. And they're, you know, just getting to know them. And it was almost time to go, and one man came and said, I thought you were going to pray for us. And somebody else said, yeah, I thought that's why we came. (laughs) The adults came because they thought, we go to John home, we get prayed for. (laughs) How cool is that? So, of course, there's a great prayer time, and more and more adults have been stopping by the house. One man admittedly said he was considering committing suicide, and they prayed for him, and he comes back often saying, pray for me some more. It's hard for them to understand our God. You know, we want to say, well, all you got to do, right? All you got to do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is and understand that your sins have cut you off from him and accept him as your savior, that's it. But you don't understand. All they've known about God is that you have to work hard to please him. And if you do anything wrong, if something bad happens in your life, Anything, whether it, you get a cold or a flat tire or you wreck your cycle, anything that happens bad in your life is because you've made God mad. One of the gods. There are many gods. So that's the fear they live in. A God who loves them, that doesn't make sense. Like, that can't be a real God. So it's just going to take time for them to see and understand. So another great thing God has done, so uh, there's a young black man from Burundi, Fabian. He attends university in the city where Rick and I lived, and it's about a 40-minute train ride. So every Friday night, he rides the train out, and he spends the weekend at John Home. He's teaching the older children, the students, to play guitar and teaching them to worship. And that's beautiful. So we were able to buy guitars for each of the children, uh, students, and, yeah, they love, again, another sense of accomplishment. Another cool thing about Fabian, when Susie got the goats, Fabian happened to be there, and they're delivering these goats. And Susie's like, you know, I don't know how to take care of goats. And Fabian says, well, good thing I'm here, because I was a goat herder (laughs) in Burundi. (laughs) See how God provides. And now... We have one more. Now, uh, those pictures don't show up so good as I was hoping. The younger children are learning ukulele. So a pastor in a neighboring village, Susie's gotten acquainted with, he comes and he's teaching these little kids, like first grade to sixth grade, ukulele. And in two months, only doing it for two months, they played jingle bells. If you got my last email, I started it with they, they were singing jingle bells in Mandarin and playing their ukuleles and I just love the joy that just jumps out of them. This one little guy, I thought he must have watched some rock music somewhere because he is really getting into it and at the end he jumps and goes, yeah, <laughs> you know, strumming his little ukulele. So he's got, he's got the whole moods and everything, you know. But how fun it is to see and how much we appreciate this pastor coming to teach them ukulele. All right. So our hope by being in this village is that we get to show the children a different way to live. Our hope is to keep them from joining the gangs. And it, it is hard for us. We've seen... Um, a couple of the older boys that came to John home last year and now they're in high school, they're drifting going that way because that's just what dad did. That's where, you know, maybe even their parents, uh, that's what dad is, a gang member. And so they just tend to go that way. We're hoping we show them a better way of life. Um, our desire is to help them succeed educationally so that they have more opportunities in life. Uh, and it's really great. One of our students got chosen uh, to go to a technical school, and this is a big deal. Most of these people never leave the village. And this young man got a scholarship to go to a technical school to learn computer um, science, and we've been able to help him do that by providing a computer and just the money to go back and forth and food. Um, That's a big deal that he gets to do that. We want them to succeed, and then our constant prayer is that each one of them will come to know Jesus, that He is the one true God. I have a table out there. Um, this is just a handout that talks about when we started and just a little of the the basics about what John Home is and does. I have pictures of the children on a card. If you want to take one, and just. Put it on your refrigerator or in your Bible. Just, I am sure, I am without a doubt that because these children are being prayed for, God is moving in. (laughs) I mean, when we got this other building in this last month, I thought, wow, God has taken over more territory. Isn't this so cool? It's like he's moving into this village. I love it. But I really believe it's because of prayers and it's incredible that we can be involved. In kingdom work, on the other side of the world, just really by praying, um, that means a lot. Also, there's a sheet out there. If you don't get my email updates and would like to, uh, you can give me your email address, and I'll be glad to, to send it to you. And when do I get to go back to Taiwan? Who knows? You know, I came home March... No. August of 2019, I thought, I'm going back in March. March 2020, remember what happened? Then I thought, well, God knew I wasn't ready. So last March, I think I'm going. I'm going to apply for a visa to go in May. And guess what happened in May? They had a lockdown. (laughs) So this year, I'm scared to say, I think I'm going to go this spring because I thought in in November, I read an article that said they might start opening up the borders little by little in March. But that was before the new strain of uh, COVID. So who knows? <laughs> but I do believe that God has me where I am for his purposes, even if I don't always understand. And I will go back when I get a chance. Uh, somehow these children and uh, this village are what God has put in my heart. And to think that we can make a difference for generations going forward. It's our prayer. Okay, so next. I should never tell Darla certain things. (laughs) So I have written a few little courses that I want to teach the children to sing, They speak Mandarin. I don't speak Mandarin, but they really work at learning English. So Susie wants me to only speak English to them so they get better at English. So I was going to write some small little songs to teach them, help them learn English. So I wrote this one from Psalm 145. It's a great psalm. I told Darla, and she said I had to sing it.